Welcome to Effigy Recall, a community-based podcast for the miniatures game Judgment. Hello, I'm your host Shane, and this is episode 3 of Effigy Recall. On this episode, we go over some more lore starting with the story 150 AG, The Shattering of the Dwarf Empire. Then we continue into 300 AG, Zeron becomes the first summoned. We then move into two heroic tales, a Staryl heroic tale first summoned, and the Zaphon heroic tale, The Hunter. One fifty AG, the shattering of the Dwarf Empire. The Dwarf Kingdom was prosperous, and Dwarves were perhaps the most powerful individual race on Athen. Having largely kept to themselves for hundreds of cycles, they were able to make advances in metalwork and engineering that left most of the other races behind. The current monarch, realizing the position of strength the dwarves were in, decided to commit his people to a path of expansion, encroaching on the lands of the other races. This aggressive path forced the other races to form a temporary coalition that began a war that ran for a dozen cycles. The coalition forces not only repelled the dwarf forces, but drove them back deep into dwarf territory and brought the kingdom to its knees, driving the monarchy into exile. The main reason for the survival of the dwarf race was a timely intervention by the Monitors, who had largely kept out of the conflict to this point. The dwarves who remained faithful to the crown fled to the chain of islands off the east coast of the main continent known as the Spray. The dwarves that were tired of war and were angry at the king for what he had brought upon their race, surrendered to the coalition forces, and over the course of the next hundred cycles, largely assimilated into the broader societies of Athene. Three hundred AG. Zeron becomes the first summoned. Zeron Bogdan was an undertaker by trade, a part-time scientist, and someone who dabbled in the dark arts of necromancy to extend his life. Zeron craved power, immortality, and yearned to rule over Athean as the gods ruled over the plains. Zeron studied every piece of literature that existed about the five who were chosen to venture to between as a result of the gathering. He also researched beyond the common literature to find out every minute detail about their lives leading up to that point. Zeron became obsessed with the five and, above all, he wanted to learn their fate. He saw them as a means to achieving his goal of immortality. 
From his research, Zeron figured that Krognar, the orc champion, would be the most favorable to his cause. So he set about creating a device that would enable him to commune with Krognar. After much trial and error, Zeron eventually succeeded, and from that point forward, he regularly conversed with Krognar about all manner of things. As far as Zeron knew, he was the first Athean native that knew the five still lived, and that knowledge, to him, was power. Krognar considered Zeron's contact as a huge boon for him, and he quickly devised a way to work things to his advantage. The combination of Krognar's powers and Zeron's necromantic skills enabled them to create what was, in essence, the first effigy, a device that managed to summon Zeron to between the Plane of Shadow. Hence, Zeron Bogdan, the human necromancer, was the first mortal to become one of the summoned. Zeron and Krognar continued to work together, researching the possibilities of summoning Zeron to between. In time, Krognar trained Zeron how to harvest the souls of Athenians recently deceased. The necromancer's experience dealing with death made him an exemplary pupil who excelled at the task. Krognar's ability to harvest souls via Zeron and the effigy, without leaving the safety of his domain on between, left him with a decided advantage over his peers. And for a time, he threatened to grow more powerful, enough to destroy them all and claim between as his own. The rest of the five did not remain idle during this time and very quickly learned of Krognar's activities. Souls formed an integral part of the network of energy that connected across the entire shadow plane and concentrated disruptions, such as the effects of the effigy, were quickly communicated to the far corners of between. To Krognar's dismay, it was not long before the remaining demigods were also able to create effigies unknown to him. Torin had lent his aid to speed the process. Armed with effigies of their own, the demigods began summoning heroes of Athean to harvest souls on their behalf. Not considering the damage their actions were causing to between Athean and the summoned heroes themselves. They were simply focused on increasing their power and not being left behind by their peers. Sir Marcus is one of the highest ranking knights in the militant order of the Church of Wellen the god of water. The old gods retained faithful followers and their church orders are still some of the most powerful military groups on Athean. The numbers have been growing since the lows of the time of the gathering when many mortals turned their backs on the gods due to the fall of Adar. The church seeks to regain the power base they held before the fall, though they are cautious of raising the ire of those remember. Archbishop Gunter, the head of the church, is a fiery traditionalist whose sermons from the pulpit rouse the commoners to push back against the rising tyranny of the new gods. 
Gunter's ability to commune with Wellen enabled him to learn of the demigod's practice of summoning mortals to the shadow plane to harvest souls. And at Wellen's behest, he immediately mobilized the church's knightly orders to hunt them down and kill them, stemming the demigod's power at its source. Sir Marcus was one of the most determined to destroy the summoned, taking to the task with vigor and determination. That was until the fateful day when he joined the ranks of the summon at the request of his god, Wellen. Despite merely doing the bidding of his god, Marcus hid his newfound status for a time from Gunter before realizing his position within the very church hellbound on destroying the summoned was untenable. One night, he packed his most valuable belongings, including the ancestral armor, and journeyed north to be as far away from his former life as possible, allowing him to completely focus on his god's will. First Summoned, a short story featuring Astariel, Mistress of Flame, by Andrew Guns Galea. Elmo lay motionless beneath the undergrowth, lungs burning from his recent efforts, struggling to keep his breathing under control for fear of alerting his assailant to his location. His sources ensured him she was not meant to be home. He took a mental note to extract greater payment from them should he get out of this one alive. Athean contained only a few living souls that could survive pursuit by Astariel, Mistress of the Flame. He cursed for allowing himself to be caught in this position. He was better than this. He had become too blasé, and it looked like it would cost him his life. Astariel closed her eyes and calmed her senses, listening for the slightest sound of her quarry. The audacity, a human no less, trying to steal from her. Her rising fury made it difficult for her to focus. The mere touch of her feet on the forest floor charred leaves and produced trails of smoke smoldering from the heat of her souls. Despite this, she moved silently, at one with the woods, as was habitual for her kin. Astariel was well known across the realm for her mastery of fire. However, at her core, she was still an elf. Elmo knew it was only a matter of time before she would find him. Hiding like a frightened child would not get him out of this predicament. In a heartbeat, his mind was made up, and he was once again scurrying through the forest. All sense of caution thrown to the wind, he ducked, weaved, and tumbled to make himself as difficult a target as possible. The heat of a searing bolt of fire passed over his right shoulder before cannoning into the trunk of a huge oak tree. It seemed that she was prepared to burn the entire forest down to get to him. Perhaps these jewels were worth more than he first thought. Yes, he would exact a greater payment than was greed. 
the adrenaline coursed through Astariel's body, as did searing hot flame. It was pure ecstasy. Her prey would not get away. None ever did. The elf's thought pattern suddenly shimmered, strayed, and then broke. A searing pain burned her chest. Could it be she underestimated the one she chased? Was he more than a mere rogue? The pain intensified until she doubled over on all fours, unable to do anything else. Thoughts of pursuit left her as her basic survival instincts kicked in. Astariel looked at her hands. They were translucent. This was magic she had never seen or heard of. Who was this thief? Consciousness threatened to abandon her. The dark, deep beckoning. Cold enveloped her body. An unusual sensation for the mistress of the flame. She had a feeling of weightlessness. A lack of knowing which way was up or down. Not altogether uncomfortable experience, albeit an alien one. With a thud, she hit the soft earth. Her consciousness returned. Instincts kicked in and she sprang to her feet, expecting some kind of threat. Her surroundings were familiar, although somehow not so. Things were gray, drab, lacking in color and life. Four others stood near her. Two humans, an orc and a hulking manotaur, with manacles around his wrists, broken chains hanging loosely. Before them stood a twelve-foot-tall stone structure, some kind of obelisk, crackling with energy and lightning, a searing blue arcane symbol burning brightly near its top. As her eyes gazed into the symbol, she felt a slight tingling in her chest. Looking down, she saw the same symbol glowing upon her skin. Astariel was snapped out of her reverie when the human barked something about protecting him so he could gather souls for his master. Soon after, the sounds of battle echoed. The four others immediately darted towards the noise, weapons drawn as she followed. Eager to learn more of this mysterious gray place and hopefully make sense of the madness she had witnessed in the few minutes of her life. The Hunter by Colin Bobliness Hill. Zaffin paused his rowing. The light swell rocked the boat gently as it drifted to a halt. He sat still for a moment, watching the foam on the rocks ahead of the boat, assessing. Satisfied that the beast wasn't moving, he began the assembly process. He leaned forward from his seat and knelt on the deck to open the chest that sat mounted against the back of the boat. He peeled off the waterproof layer wrapped around the top of the chest and laid on the deck. Reaching into the chest, he gently removed his prized crossbow, the mounting strut, and supporting plate that lay beneath it. 
forward of his rowing seat. Mounted in the center of the deck was a plate with a circular hole fixed into the structure of the boat. He affixed the mounting strut and adjusted the support plate. The mechanics of that support plate baffled him. Carly, the smith and all-around tinkerer of his village, was a wonder with every material. The top of the strut featured a swiveled device with some sort of dampening action and a pad of lusciously soft material filled with... Hmm... Something. He didn't want to ask, and it had cost him so much he'd never risk puncturing it to find out. The end result, once he secured the strut and heaved the bow up on top, was a platform that took the bow's considerable weight and reduced its movement as the boat swayed and rocked. A marvel. As far as he knew, it was also the only way anyone had ever found to hunt the grottens that occasionally came to the top of the spires to bask. Their shell was a layering of hide and chitin, impossible to get a sword blade through even if you could get close enough to try. The beasts were nervous and would simply drop off the side of the spire the instant they felt threatened. Grotten were thought to be very common in the depths, but extremely rare on the surface, at least around the areas he was familiar with. The archipelago was full of little stone spurs, like the ones he was drifting between, among the larger islands of the chain. His village was on the largest island of the area. From his village, Zaffin had traveled the furthest out of any out into the expanding strings of islands as they spread away from the main coast. Most simply explored the other way, onto the mainland and inwards, towards the larger cities. He couldn't stand the press of people and hated the enclosed feeling of buildings around him, reveling in the open seas and exploration. Fortunately, Groton hunting paid for that lifestyle and paid handsomely. Their shell made decent armor, and their flesh was sold as a delicacy in the cities. That puzzled him, since he'd eaten a lot of it and wouldn't be overly concerned if he never ate it again. Although, he thought with a sigh, sighting along the bow, it was likely to be all he ate for the next week. In the back of his mind, as he lined up his shot, Zaffin felt the tingling of a summons, the other reason he spent so much time deep in the island chain. None of his village knew of his sojourns between. He'd kept it from them for reasons he couldn't explain, even to himself. The first few times he'd made landfall on one of the smaller islands in order to enter the trance, the ants had put a stop to that. He'd once come back to his body covered in the bloody things, almost as if the summons had pulled them to him, as surely as it pulled his soul between. After that, he had experimented with trancing on his boat with mixed results. Twice, the anchor had slipped and left him miles from anywhere, with open sea on all sides. 
Fortunately, the old gods were at least literal godsend for navigation. Then he'd been over-eager and answered a summons despite weather that suggested a coming storm. That time, he'd woken to a swamped boat as wave after wave crashed against it, overturning it and dumping him into the sea. He'd floated with it, through the storm snagging hold of an outcropping spire and sheltering in its lee. At that point, he began to truly notice the differences his trips between were making to his body. He'd always been a strong swimmer, and he had always had a certain pride in his survival skills and ability to endure or even thrive among the elements. That day, though, he had held the side of an upturned boat in one hand, rock jutting from the spire in the other, and hung there suspended in the heaving ocean for hours. He knew that was nigh impossible, a feat he could never have replicated a year previous, before his first summoning. He was stronger now than anyone in the village, though he did his best to conceal it. He could swim for hours, dive for long minutes to depths he had previously never considered. He wondered whether he would eventually reach a new limit, but as far as he could tell, each summons brought with it more vitality, more life, and he admitted to himself that he was addicted. That didn't mean he'd enjoyed being a mooring line in a storm. So he'd spent the following weeks seeking out safe, sheltered refuges where he could anchor, then set up permanent mooring points. He was near one now. He'd ensured they were near good locations for fishing and plenty of spires for grotten hunting. A gentle increase in pressure on the trigger sent his bolt arcing across the water and he knew it was a true shot before it struck the heavy bolt slamming through the shell of the head and into the soft flesh. The barbs springing open inside and shredding the beast's brain before its body had even a second to react. Its form slumped to the rocks. A year ago, he'd still been using the line that trailed to the bolt to pull the beasts in once he'd secured them. He had shot them in the body, unable to make the headshots that would kill them cleanly. Now he had done away with the line. He hadn't missed a headshot in months, and the line wasn't needed anymore. He quickly disassembled the bow, put out the oars, and pulled up to the spire, dragging the Grotten's bulk into the boat before pushing off towards the nearest safe haven. He had a summons to answer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Effigy Recall. If you have any comments, questions, ideas for a show, or would like to be a guest on the show, please email me using effigyrecall at gmail.com or message Shane on the official Judgment Discord server. Thank you very much and have a great day.